Hello and good evening, good afternoon or good morning, depending on your preference for tuning in to Eat the Storms, the poetry podcast. This is episode 11, season 7, and I'm your host and producer, Damien B. Donnelly, and I'm delighted that you decided to join us today. Whether that has been on Spotify, Apple, Google, Breaker, Podbean, Player FM, Overcast, Pocketcast, Castbox, Podcast Addicts, iTunes are one of the many platforms where we are now available. Today we are taking poetic journeys from Belfast in Northern Ireland to Canberra in Australia. Along the way, stopping off for a little razzmatazz in Sheffield in the United Kingdom, dropping down to London to see art being used as a superpower. Over to the Isle of Man, falling upon private and delicious coves, secret spaces where we can be ourselves before we come back here to Ireland and find poetry rolling under the moon between Wicklow and County Cavan. So what more is there to say other than it's time to get on with today's show? So settle down in the sofa, curl up on the bed or leave the weekend cleaning for the midweek. Pour yourself a cup of tea, a ginger beer, perhaps a slice of rhubarb crumble like I'm enjoying right here. My name is Damien B. Donnelly. This is Eat the Storms and I hope you enjoy the show. first guest on the podcast today we are heading to Australia to a writer who splits their time between Billalong, New South Wales and Canberra in the Australian Capital Territory, though she was originally born in Belfast in Northern Ireland. She is the author of 14 books. The one which you will hear today, The Wear of My Face, was published by Spinaflex Press in 2021 and it won the Australian Capital Territory Notable Writers Award for Poetry. Her other books include She-Bird and $600, published by Press Press, Stop Your Crying, published by Island, and Two Lips Went Swimming, also by Spinaflex Press. Not just a writer, who often includes found text in their work, she is also a visual artist whose work has appeared in group and solo exhibitions. I am delighted to welcome to Eat the Storms for the first time, Liz Murphy. Hello, this is Liz Murphy. I live in Australia, but I was born in Belfast, so I really like that nice Irish connection with Eat the Storms. I'm a great fan of that, by the way. Thank you very much, Damien. I'm going to read a small selection of poems. Most of them are from my latest collection, The Wear of My Face, which is published by Spinifex Press. Spinifex is a really wonderful uh, feminist independent press based in Australia. And um, this is my third book with them. The others are Two Lips Went Shopping, another collection of poetry, and the anthology of women's writing, We Girls, Women Writing from an Irish Perspective. The first poem is a sequence of very small pieces, and it's after Tagore, and the others are prose poems. Stray Birds, 1 to 10. I was a stray bird at your window, 
we flew. Little vagrants on the wing, my breath catching on every arc. The world was ours, we thought forever. Now the oaks are on the turn. My heart breaks open on your song. After the rain, birds fall on the drunk grass. Still, I am drunk on you. Your touch, slight, a feather. There is laughter, we fly again. Your feathers fall, splinters of the sun. I collect them. The trees we planted together, singing above us. Birds, two by two, their small nests. A night bird strikes its delicate bells. Under the dear moon, birds dream, we dream, I dance. Love is peace, a flutter in the silence. Exodus. In the dark quilt of witching hour, ravens stir black on midnight blue. A full moon lights their way. Bomb-tired, bullet-weary, most wait for thistles of daylight. The sun rises on a sea of masks set in grief. A blanket, a bundle, a child clutched to chests some with not a person left in this world. Like, I write like I am far-sighted, one eye traveling the white landscape a centimeter from my face, peering around the ink of purple corners, skipping into beaten egg doorways, gazing wantonly through domestic windows, spying on tame strangers. I write like the striped suit hijinxing with city cars. I am jollification outside the office. I write like I am in live theatre, sitting at a table for one and an extremely large dinner plate, perched at the entrance of a tepid evening, my feet practically on the pavement, milling pedestrians, my extras, lights, action, a fan stirring. A breeze, my hair tussling. Electric blue moonfish in the dark lapping water. I write like I am the extra, trying not to trip up the stars or the stairs. I write like I have been deveined, like a green tiger prawn to be tossed in a hot pan. I inhale the garlic, write like I am the main course. I write like a disruption, like a wounded eagle, like a rent dream, a tangled sheet. I write like the homeless sign on a cardboard tear, like somewhere in the world a book has fallen open, like the young man who cries in the wind, like the animal on the roof, 
like demand, like a ruffian, like self-delight, like the fading horizon, the fruiting moon, the nest-raiding currawong, the bird caught in the net, like a sleeve of tension, like a frosted pain, like antithesis, like a siren, like tapsicory, I try to dodge similes, have more success with full stops. Rips. She wings through the airsphere, casts mauve shadows, cuts through ice, thaws frost, leaves crinkle, become brittle. She is a star performer, thinks she is a smash. In a waiting room, a woman's hair grows long, her plait tentacles, her past, a sealed room, her daughter, a rent of silk by her side. What of this plastic, he says, with his plucked turkey head tilting upward. The old white woman of the night hoots low and long. Her sigh fans the ocean, creates a riptide. A wave of polymer sweeps deep. And this last small poem is in one of my chapbooks published by Press Press. This one is called Shebird. And the poem is at the very end of the book. And here we go. The woman in the poem. I walk north through the civic centre, black quilted head bowed. Their precipitous flight south, pigeon meteors just above ground, at ear level, a scrape above. The leader's cocoa head at one with his power-stoked body, his water-dark mission, his horizon-spent eyes. I am the woman in the poem. I know how I look, my hands over my face, one knee wincing, my centre puckering. Thank you. Thanks for listening. My next guest on the podcast today is another first-timer, and today he's going to be sharing poems from his pamphlet, which was published just last year by Dreek, called My CNA Years, a rather humorous, occasionally twisted look at everyday life, which I thoroughly enjoyed as one of the books I read this month for the Sealy Challenge, where you read one poetry book a day or a pamphlet or an anthology and promote it as much as you can so that everyone knows how good it is. Though thankfully, I don't have to shout too widely today because my next guest is going to read from that pamphlet. He is joining us all the way from the glitz and glamour of Sheffield in the United Kingdom, apparently in a house that had wood chip wallpaper, although he dreamt it was all razzmatazz. His poems have been published in Dreek anthologies and that Dreek pamphlet, My C&A Years. He's currently on the search for a lost pair of black sandals that he hopes his wife hasn't thrown into the bin. 
Any sightings, please let us all know. For the moment, this is the shoeless or sandalous, to be precise, Roger Waldron. Good evening, Damien. Roger Waldron here. Thanks for the invite. Very excited. Little nervous, maybe. The first one is the first in the pamphlet of my CNA years, which was published last year by Drake. Thanks again, Jack. Flying the Kitchen Worktop, a documentary. I've just swatted a fly with a Poetry Book Society recommendation. I know you would understand my actions if I told you it was my last act on a rather stressful day. The next one, Shop Lift Local. That geography teacher who lives opposite has found his way across and asked if we would like to join his neighbourhood watch scheme. I wanted to punch him in the face, but I couldn't be bothered. He told me of his passion for all things crime watch, and I told him my love for petty crime and shoplifting in general. Then sold him a red four slicer toaster. He said he'd let me have the 20 spot, and I promised him a matching kettle. Still need to get that to him, actually. Having your cake, which is the third one in my scene. Yes. Enjoy my slice of lemon drizzle with a dollop of creme fraiche when you drop in on your lunch break and tell me you've been stopped by the elderly couple who live in the flat below, asking if we could move our lovemaking a tad later due to the fact they don't care much for Newsnight or anything with animals having sex with a David Attenborough voiceover. You tell me this while you're enjoying your piece of lemon drizzle and flicking through next week's Radio Times. I, I don't write much about nature at all. I don't think I can improve nature, to be honest with you. So I'll leave it. But I did write one, and so here we go. This is called The Oncoming. From the hillside, we hear the ploughman talking to his horse. He answers the horse's questions. The horse asks about the oncoming evening. And what will it be like? Because this field has been a nightmare to plough. And I'll be glad to put my hooves up. How about you, ploughman? What are you looking forward to? The ploughman says a tractor and kills this conversation stone dead. Next one, digging in my archives. When she, when she told her friends that I was more of a cafe sort than a restaurant kind of guy, and I like beer and fags, that's when they started digging into my past. And found in my younger days, I was quite partial to a finger buffet and what my aunties would have called a nice spread. As you gather in, my poems don't... You won't wake up in the middle of the night scratching your head, arse or elbow. They're just things that pass me by as, as I walk through life. Sweet smell of failure. She asked if I could smell urine. And when did I last change my underpants? 
I didn't think these were topics we'd cover on our first date, but I told her it was two weeks since I changed my underwear. And they were nice, nice and warm but damp. This is when she made her exit. And I followed two or three pints later. I walked home in the rain. The only bus I saw displayed not in service. The driver waved and I took care to look nonchalant. Fair is fair. While living with an Irish beat poet, I took out a subscription to Naked Wines. We enjoyed each other's company until one night he arrived back from a reading, saying he's going back to Ireland. He's learnt of a tax dodge. That'll keep him in good stead. He tells me I can keep the two folding camping chairs naturally. I gave him two bottles of red. I thought this was a fair and decent swap. The next. Oh, it's only a neighbourly like. My neighbour sometimes pots around for sexual favours. She now says my whole house stinks of beer and fags. And it's beginning to seep through the walls. I thought of going meat-free one or two days a week. I also thought about popping round to hers and wooing her with my plug-in Febreze. The next, wind blows my poetry, of course. I've been pulled to one side by my creative writing tutor, who says she can see a pattern forming in my writing. She says there's a lot of breaking wind in my poetry. She asked me if there's any reason for this, because she finds it offensive. I tell her it's my bad guts. That's giving me some jib. She seems happy with my medical explanation. Romance with a technical know-how. I've been romantically linked to a woman who sits at the end of the bar by the barman whose fingers drinks during nibbles. She asks if I would like to retire to her room where she could tell me about her husband's passion for easy hand shirts and show me how to use the complicated trouser press without getting my fingers burnt. And you're lucky last. It's been my great pleasure. Hope you've enjoyed me coming live from Sheffield. Dirty talk. While discussing my future love life with a woman I'd met down at the coin laundrette, she told me she wasn't interested in marriage or a sex life and poetry that spouts from broken settees. I asked if she'd like washing. She said that was out too. I knew then she wouldn't like my backside when I stood up. I wondered if her eyes would follow me. My departure. I doubt it. I'm not to everybody's taste.
My next guest today is absolutely no stranger to the podcast, having appeared at various times over the course of our seven seasons, and even this season, he was with us to celebrate our special Pride episode, and I'm thrilled to say that he is back today, sharing poems from his latest pamphlet, which is our collection of the week. He is a Manx poet. That means he's from the Isle of Man, and he's a performer and an editor, though he's currently living in Brighton and Hove. He's published 16 anthologies. His work has appeared in various publications, including Ambit, The Mott, Rialto, Poetry Wales, Under the Radar, and some of his previous pamphlets, which you've heard on the show have been Trothbone from Uncollected Press, Queerfella, the joint winner of the Rialto Open Pamphlet Competition, and his new pamphlets, The Isle of Sin from Polari Press, which just came out in March, and The Whole Island, which you're going to hear from today. It was published by Valley Press just last month, and as I said, it's our collection of the week. Please give a big cheer in the privacy of your own home for returning stormer and poetic powerhouse that is Simon Madrill. Hi, Damien. Thank you so much for inviting me back to Eat the Storms. Um, I'm Simon Madrill. I'm going to be reading from my fourth poetry pamphlet, The Whole Island, which was published by Valley Press on July the 5th, 2023. The, the final sentence of the titular poem, which in Manx Gaelic is um, in Slane Elian, is on the edge of extinction on the edge of the whole island the edge of our language hovers and it inspired this first poem our language drips in the dark i am afraid of meeting my emptiness but i must return to the isle of my birth before i become my own extinction our native Igilg was nearly silenced from what only it can express. I nearly zipped my own lips in a black-bagged lack of understanding that it is language that restores our place, that speaks louder than any plinth, that, when it cries, deepens the sea. It is near impossible to describe the sun rising, but it is possible to feel the language of the sun setting on darkness. Igilg is um is Manx Gaelic and um this is um also used in the second poem, which is called Fodiac which, um, like the Welsh word um, hiraeth, um, basically means um, homesickness, nostalgia, and longing. Fodiac. He asks if I yearn for it, if we have a word for it, like hiraeth. 
how he feels when away from his other Celtic home, and I brush it off like a speck of fluff, as if it's obvious a queer would hate being kept in a beautifully busy cottage, tucked away in a private bay below Milner's Tower. It's a folly to think I want to be where he is, to think I could add anything to this like my pride in having a scuba dive the world over in the marine biology station here at Port Erin how it's now closed Manan and Machilir is the Celtic son of the sea uh, son of the Irish sea god Leah um, and the lord of man um, and According to legend, the creator of man too. Manan and Machilia. Nothing has changed. Mourning a ruined family, his lost humanity, inflicting wounds on the other world. His tears, pearls that fled the sea, turn into that single mountain island where I was raised from my mother's womb gasping for life in a tent for seven days, seven years, or seven score months. I now forget when I cried. It was on the inside, growing a cardiac rock with lichen cracks and moss where I weep. The next poem, Puffin Mother, it's probably worth mentioning that the Puffiness Puffiness is in fact the Manx Shearwater um, and that Ironfeller and Rothen are Manx dialect and Gaelic for um, Rattus Rattus, or in this particular case, Rattus Norvegicus. Um, I'm sure you know what that means. This is Puffin Mother. You abandon the nest left our sanctuary, pushed away by the iron fella, also eating up puffiness, puffiness, who only appears to be you. We perch plastic models to bring you back, better versions of ourselves, perfect in the way no offspring can be. We played sounds of domestic bliss borrowed from a faraway colony. We lined up loudspeakers atop the cliffs like a picket fence singing apple pie. Whether due to this highly fabricated world or Rothen's absence, you returned, not home exactly, because you were a different mother. But you came back just the same and are, in fact, still here, even so long since you went away. Traced. More Manx Gaelic means trust, hope and confidence. A three-legged man was bored of the island and caught a ship through the universe where he reached a dark puddle standing on one leg another lagging 
shaking between fear and anticipation, the third leg stepped into the puddle. This leg, certain it wasn't a black hole. After all, there was no event horizon, meaning the puddle edges didn't glow. However, his mother popped up and said, only the boring get bored. So the man, with all those legs intact, came back to the island and visited all of the places he ever loved. On the edge of everywhere, there is always something new. And all the scenes we've played before never feel the same. In 1991, I stepped out of my skin. For the first time, there was a young man sucking a cock like he'd arrived back home at last. Not in the sense of the 70s oblong blocks of Manx ices unwrapped and shoved into a round cone, but more so that rocket lolly you remember, wide at the bottom, ridged with a sweet-lipped tip of white chocolate. The 90s wonder at what dialing 0898 offered. Cool, fresh and wild for it. Until just after that moment of melting white, hundreds and thousands flashed by, now too exposed. To survive so raw, I crawled back into my skin, sagging and dragging itself to the bathroom. Then I threw up. This is according to the signs. The footpath to Porto Willen is not passable at high water. My mind floods and races with anticipation as I circle the sea-walled red Napoleon passing under a Civil War battery like we face in our own islands. The unoccupied land where I find a tiny bathing creek looking purpose-made for the likes of us. Private and delicious like the young men I imagine. In this cove, a secret space to be ourselves with careless abandon and timely attention to all the tides flowing inside, even rippling in our deepness. One could be left alone with the only escape being those uphill trails to Gobnerona, paths within bracken and olden woods, a maze hiding many answers, and trees with many arms. Thank you so much. My final poem. The Vikings didn't need roads to plunder and burn wooden vessels, graves, not tricks. A queer-shaped ball kicked about and back and over that wall. Without the love of Antinous, rich dukes envied its land and its rights 
no sooner grasped than sold to be owned by George the Third in seventeen sixty five, a hanging chalice. Freedom is an oxymoron. Flourishing is a drag queen owning herself. Thank you so much. My next guest is another newcomer to Eat the Storms and I'm absolutely honoured to welcome her to the podcast. She developed a love of poetry early on, over 80 years ago in fact, when evenings in her house were filled with neighbours as her mother recounted the escape of Red Hugh O'Donnell. A lot has happened since then, where she was born in County Wicklow and then she married a cabin man and moved there. And then everything changed five years ago when her husband was killed in a farm accident. In the solitude of lockdown, her feelings poured onto the page and her poetry collection, Poems from the Heart, came together and was sold to raise funds for Embrace Farm, a support group for families like herself affected by farming accidents. She is a member of the Cootie Hill Poetry Group. She's had poems appear in the Corsi Chronicle. Pandemic.ie and she's read poems in Cavan Town Hall and the Cootie Hill Library. I'm so very pleased to welcome to the Eat the Storms, Roisin Smith. I'm Roisin Smith, born and bred in Wicklow. I married a Cavan man and came to live in the area over 50 years ago. Unfortunately, life changed forever for me when I suffered a bereavement some five years ago. I lost my husband through a farming accident. My way of dealing with the loss was to keep active, enjoy the great outdoors with the support of family and friends. When lockdown forced me to stay at home alone, I turned to rekindling my love of poetry. I love nature and every poem I write relates to the beauty around me and human interaction with nature. My first poem is called Nature Trail. My grandkids often told me they were on a nature trail. I sometimes wondered what it was, or did they go by rail? And then I discovered I could have the same at home, from my bedroom in the morning, even when I am alone. I drew back my curtains, the sun had raised its head, the golden lines so beautiful across the cattle shed. They slide upon the water of the lake right down below, the ducks and geese just waken and put on the little show. The black clouds move across the sky like a foxhound on the run when a farmer would be coming with his little gun. The cattle, they lie huddled underneath the tree. They are dazzled with the brightness and they can hardly see. The buttercups and daisies open up their little wings just in time to hear the birdies that have started for to sing. A fox peeps out behind the hedge and sniffs around the ground. He's hoping that some tasty food might just be left around. Then comes a big pine marten and gives his neck a twirl. The purpose of his visit is to find a lovely squirrel. And now I have had my tour, the sun has reached my room, and the beauty of this nature 
has cleared my doom and gloom. So I thank God for these wonders he has given me to view, just from my bedroom window, and I can share it all with you. And my second poem is called Harvest Moon. I spent a night in Sweet Crohan, way down below Kinsale. I felt I was in paradise and came back to tell the tale. I woke up from my slumber and looked up to the sky to view the heavenly orders that appeared to the naked eye. The moon was rolling through the clouds like a train upon a track. It knew where it was going, so it didn't turn back. Then out onto the west of it, a string of lights came down. Just like a lovely Christmas tree, they were over Garrett's town. A blue light kept on flashing to warn the fishermen of the rocks below the water and dangers that can't be seen. Then the moon finds a clear space and brightens up the sky. It beams down on the ocean and lights it from on high. The beacon flashes over at the old head on the hill while everything is peaceful and the earth is standing still. The moon has changed its colour and the clouds have overflowed. It disappears below me or the old Kilcolman road. Then daylight comes at last to me, the seagulls all touch down to let me know I'm still here with my feet upon the ground. So the angels watch the little ones as they slept sound in their bed. For Cahal, Nicole and Lauren, there's another day ahead. And my third poem is called Clouds. How I love to sit and watch the clouds outside the pale blue sky that bring us joy and peace and love as they float about on high. They lie across the ocean's edge or the mountain in our view. They show the beauty of God's hand and our faith they do renew. The sun it beams behind the hill and pushes out its head. It separates the white clouds and turns them all to red. The thunder and the lightning just rumble all around. The clouds turn into darkness as the bolt travels to the ground. A lovely rainbow spans the sky with colours bright and bold, and at the end it leaves for us a great big crock of gold. I sometimes travel overseas on board 707. I fly above the floating clouds, and I think I am in heaven. So when life's worries come to you, and in your heart they lie. Just take your seat and look right up and watch the clouds roll by. Now my fourth and final poem, I call it Green Tea. It started off in China just 12 months ago. This very deadly virus, like a river it did flow. It brought lots of sorrow with it, tore families apart and left so many grieving with a sad and broken heart. The experts came onto our screens and told us what to do. Their message was to stay at home, and this was also new. So our home is just transformed to a lovely office block. The laptop, wires and printer are as solid as a rock. Now, the one thing that I miss the most is not heading to the green with my little grandson, Dara, whose next birthday is 13. I sure enjoy his golf swings and all his lengthy drives. It takes two of mine to get there, no matter how I strive. So I pray this virus leaves us. Once more we'll place the tea and stay clear of all the bunkers. 
just you and me. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed my poems. My final guest on the podcast today is no stranger to eat the storms. It was also with us for our Pride episode back in August this year. And prior to that, he's been a reoccurring stormer. And you know how I love when a guest wants to come back and read more on this show. He is a performer and a writer from London, a graduate of the Roehampton University with a degree in drama, theatre and performance studies. He's a collaborative artist who loves nothing more than working with people, exploring various topics and themes in his poetry. In the past, he's appeared with us to share work from his poetry projects, Beauty Within the Cracks, and also Art Is My Superpower, which you'll hear more from today. He's currently working on his third project, but thankfully he's taken time away to come and join us. Always a joy to have his positivity and light back here with us at Eat the Storms. This is Manny. First piece I'm going to do for you today is called Unwanted Noise. In this piece, I'm talking about a few years ago, I was having negativity online about the way I looked, about my skin colour, sexuality and a few other things. So I reflected on that. You can find this piece on my second poetry project, Art is My Superpower, and I hope you guys enjoy This is Unwanted Noise. I listen to the rain as it taps against my window. I look over and watch the droplets fall so slowly like tears. As I sit still on my bed and begin to think. I've always loved creating ever since I was little but I didn't know it'd bring a plateau of shadowing voices that had so much to say lots of unwanted noise that could fill a whole room it flew at me from all different directions I felt like I couldn't catch a break Tears well up as I sink down into the ground. I couldn't even tell what was happening. I forgot how to shout. Feeling like I lost my voice. You can hear a faint sound, but not much. I begin searching for my voice. Checking for his hidden noise, but I couldn't find it. They had so much power, turning the blue walls into chaotic black. What is happening? My bones felt like a mirror about to shatter into a million pieces. The silence was the loudest it's ever been, drowning everything else out. 
Time goes by so slowly. It starts to move around and whisper in my ear. A sudden fear goes right through me. Where are you coming from? Sneaking in through any cracks you can find. Stopping me in my tracks. Making me feel stuck in a maze. Minding a constant loop. Feeling lost in the haze. Four walls, please catch me. As the cracks begins to open up beneath me. Where's the spotlight? I... I can't seem to find it. I... I don't think I can do this. Everything seems so blurry. Mysterious, mystical mist begins to form around me, closing me in. Now, it all comes down to this. Should I keep my notepad open or should I close it for good? I think about this while the rain continues to fall. The next piece I'm going to do for you today is called Peace and Healing. Uh, this is off my poetry project, Art is My Superpower. It's all to do with finding things that help us feel at peace and also saying that we have to make time for healing. So yeah, so this is Peace and Healing. I hope you enjoy this piece. The wind whistles quietly around me. I close my eyes as I lose those fears. The calmness I feel just sat here soothes my mind. Sometimes it's so hard to find that peace when so much is happening around you. This is something I've noticed. Peace is something we all seek. When the noise takes over, the shadowing winds cloud our vision and makes us feel weak. Peace is something we all need. We have to create our own peace bubbles, be deep in thought, the power of meditation, stillness in the world. Peace is something we all deserve, so I hope we can all find things that help us feel good and helps us feel at peace. We also need to take the time to heal, take a step back to reflect after everything we've been through. We deserve some time to heal, time to recharge. So let's take a slower pace and enjoy everything around you, the beauty of the world. May we find that space to heal and reflect as this is important. Sometimes the world can be dark and lonely we need kindness in the world to bright it up. It's free, but I feel that people forget that sometimes. 
Kindness costs nothing. So instead of trying to break someone down, let's encourage people more. If only we would hold out our hands to lead people into warm arms, to help someone feel comfortable. Not fingers pointing out, excluding people and making someone feel left out. If only we would help people more. Instead of looking for faults, judging the person, insulting and hurting people. So let's try a little kindness, shall we? At the end of the day, kindness is free. Thank you for listening and I hope you enjoyed my poems today. Just before I leave you today, just before we say our goodbyes, I'm going to leave you with two of my own poems. I'm going to read two ephrastic poems, two poems that are inspired by pieces of art, because this upcoming Sunday, the 20th of August, I am giving a workshop on ephrastic poetry, or ephrasis, um, at the casino in Marino, where I work as a tour guide. It's the end of National Heritage Week, and we are celebrating by writing poems that will be inspired by the paintings that are hanging in the wall of our current collection called Person, Presence and Perception. The first poem that I'm going to read is from my Stickleback, my micro collection, which was published by the Hedgehog Poetry Press two years ago. And this first poem is inspired by the painting by Kandinsky, which was called Ludwig's Church in Munich. And this poem is called Kandinsky Coming Apart. In Madrid, in between mid-afternoon showers on steaming cobbles, before flamenco rain storms over dinner tables in low-roofed restaurants, you sprang to attention in a complicated room. A burst bag of skittles scurrying along the wall like Signac for a second, with all his suggestion and syncopated shape. Big heads of bright colours bouncing off the shadows of a Munich moment of movement captured motionless. Soften spotlight on candied colours wishing not to be washed out by the shadows stalking the corners. And so I let go of his hand and the timing of the torque to consider a cast of cardinals carrying sunlight into a church, a congregation of drawn dots, those skittles dancing beneath carpeted columns of concerns grown green. We too were shifting shapes. In that new city we had slipped on over ties growing twists. Suggestions never settling into substance. Too much staled steam rising from those cobbles. Up onto our slippery, oily surfaces. 
the shadows of our arches more distinctive than that initial valley of colour and all its light, neither in control of the comfort. And the second and final poem I'm going to share with you today, the second piece of Ephrasis, is called Under the Microscope. This is inspired by a painting by Vincent van Gogh. It's called Seezicht by Scheveningen, the seaside by Scheveningen in the Netherlands. And just a little side note that when you when this painting was actually viewed on the mic under the microscope they found that sand particles had been captured underneath the paint trapped there when Vincent actually painted it during an oncoming storm under the microscope Schäfeninge sand framed under brushstroke where paper was pinned to canvas under a quiet howl at the edge of this earth. Storms can come on slow, like crows, still only gulls in his first attempt to convey a sense of insecurity. An early oil, so close to all that water, Still incompatible a century later, you and I, same beach, barely brushed in colour, not even a pin to commit us to that time now. In scene, unwanted by canvas, we are two dots on the edge of empty, Waiting for a ghost to draw limbs we cannot hold. Sand smacks the skin of all we were unable to build a frame for. And that quiet howl, still so far from sea. had a good evening good afternoon or maybe even a good morning with us here today because we've just reached the end of another episode of eat the storms the poetry podcast coming to you on spotify apple google breaker podbean player fm overcast Castbox, podcast addicts and itunes 
It has been an absolute honour to have your company. My name is Damien B. Donnelly. I've been your host and producer and thank you for joining us on this poetic joyride today. And what an honour as always it is to be joined by my fantastic guests. Today on the steam train we have had Liz Murphy, Roger Waldron, Roisin Smith, Mammy, and author of our collection of the week, Whole Island, Simon Madrill. For details, as always, and all of my guests, it's all very simple. You just head on over to eatthestorms.com. That's www.eatthestorms.com. Click on the podcast section called Listen to the Podcast, and there you will find a blog post for every episode. This was episode 11, season 7. In that blog post, you have photographs, bios, social media handles, and perhaps even a link on where to buy the poetry collections you've heard today. So please feel free to purchase their collections and also spread the word to family and friends that there is a friendly podcast on your closest platform waiting to keep you company for a jolly hour. And speaking of jolly hours, we only have four more episodes of season seven before it's time to take a break. Although for me, taking a break is a rather interesting way of saying I will be stopping with the podcast, but then focusing all my time and energy on launching issue three of The Storms, our journal of poetry, prose and visual arts. For this issue, I was joined by the incredible Nitty Casa, who was my sub-editor, and we've just spent the past few weeks finally whittling down the final lineup. The theme might have been Shelter, Sanctuary and Sanctum but it was really tough to whittle it down to the final selection. As always, you want to publish so much, but space and money, of course, mean that that's an impossibility. But I do believe we will have another incredible issue that will hopefully find a place not only on your bookshelves, but also in your heart over the coming months. Emails are now going out to those who made it through and to those who unfortunately didn't make it into this issue but who will be invited to submit again for the next issue. That's it for me for today. Thank you so much once again for joining me. Thank you to my guests. It's been a pleasure knowing that you're out there tuning in, whether you're in the middle of the M1 or pulling the duvet cover up over your head so that you can stay in bed for just a little bit longer. Until next week, look after yourselves, bring a brolly for the rain and sun cream for the heat, and until we meet again, of course, as always, all together, stay bloody poetic! Oh, thank you.